Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. All right, you still with me? All right, all right. If you get tired, just stand up, do a couple jumping jacks, sit back down. It's going to be good to go. And I will tell you what I tell you on a pretty regular basis. If you help me, I go shorter, okay? The first service didn't help me. It took me like an hour and a half to get to the end of that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. You've been greeted and welcomed, and we've celebrated and done all the things. And there's going to be more to do as you leave in a little bit, and you get cupcakes and pictures and all of the things. But let me just say what we say pretty regularly. We never take it for granted that you choose to spend part of your Sunday here with us. This is, this is a, a great honor that God would allow us to be gathered together to accomplish his purposes in and through us. And so I'm thankful that you're here today. Uh, if it's your first time, or I think I did the math, and I know some folks within the church will fact check this, but I think it's been 525 weeks since we started. And so if you've been here all 525, or today's your first, uh, you're a part of the family. And so I'm thankful for you, and I'm just thankful for all that God has done. And uh, in the first service, uh, my pastor was here, Pastor Mark, and many of you know the story, uh, but Pastor Mark Walker was the uh, lead pastor, senior pastor of Mount Perrin North uh, down in Marietta. And all of this started at a Waffle House. All good things start at Waffle House. But it started at a Waffle House on the south side of Atlanta as we were trying to beat traffic. And we got there really, really early. And we sat there in the dark and had breakfast. And that was the first time that I really heard out of his heart what was on his heart, what God had planted in him about trying to reach a group of people that perhaps we weren't reaching at our location in Marietta. And about 18 months later, after a lot of prayer and discernment and discussion and study and just seeking God, uh, we landed at Sequoia High School, and we spent 209 Sundays there. Uh, we've spent now about six years in this present location, and so I'm just thankful for what God has done, what God did through our pastor, my pastor, and what God has done in these last several years. And I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful that in these 10 years that we've just done this together, hand in hand. Every, every time I get discouraged, she's a great cheerleader. Uh, when she's discouraged, I tell her to call my sister-in-law. Just call Andrea because she's a good cheerleader. No, no, I'm just, I'm so thankful for Corey and uh, all that God has blessed my life with through her. And, uh, and just know she loves you. She prays for you regularly. And so I'm thankful that we get to do this together with our family, with our kids. Uh, today, there's a lot of ways we could go. There's a lot of things we could do. But I've been very reflective, which I say now so much that I just need to admit I'm a reflective person. Like, I just think back a lot and reminisce. But uh, as I've been thinking over the last few days, weeks, and months, I believe that there are some things that God has taught me, that God has taught us. And this is not just a celebration of what God's done in the last 10 years. I believe these lessons transfer and kind of superimpose themselves over all of our lives, each of us individually. And so today I want to talk to you about 10 lessons learned in these first 10 years. Ten lessons learned in these first ten years that I believe God can use to help us to take more steps as we pursue more and more of him. The first of them is this. We didn't get here by ourselves. I just told you, Pastor Mark, uh, I told you some of that story. But what I recognize is that where we come from is built on the prayers of so many. Uh, I'm thankful today for a group of friends that are sitting over here. This is the hype squad, I guess. But uh, I'm, I'm thankful. Yeah, if anything that's crazy in my life, they probably put me up to, right? But uh, we didn't get here by ourselves. 
Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 through 12 says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then you will eat and are satisfied. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We are here standing on the shoulders of so many who came before us. The, the church world came to Cherokee County in 1833. It came through a small group of believers as this, this county was being formed in 1833, and it really kind of came out of the, the Hills Baptist Association that turned into the Highlands Baptist Association, which became the Cherokee County Baptist Association. And there was a group of people that wanted God to do something in this community in 1833. And about 80 years later, there was another group of people that came to start what was the Tunai Church of God, 1912. This is them. 1912, right down the road from us, the Church of God came to Cherokee County. And then we talked about the Mount Perrin family in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, what started on 6th Avenue and it eventually made its way to Hemp Hill Avenue and eventually made its way to Mount Perrin Road. Dr. Paul Walker had a heart for people that maybe couldn't find a place in another church somewhere in the city. And so he wanted revival to break out and them to en encounter and experience a living God. And that resulted in a church in Marietta that came, became Mount Perrin North under the leadership of Mark Walker. And that eventually led us to this place. It got us here, but we did not get here by ourselves. We are eating from vineyards we didn't plant and drinking from wells we didn't dig. We're living in houses we didn't build. And the blessings of God that we are experiencing right now, I believe so many of them are the answered prayers of our grandparents and our great-grandparents and some groups of people in 1833 and 1912 and those in between who were seeking for God to do something in the generations to come, and we are living in those days. And here's what I believe. So many of us are praying prayers right now that our children and our grandchildren are going to get to see the fruit of. And what we've got to do is make sure we recognize and we impart upon them that they did not get there by themselves. It is to be possessed and passed on to the next generation. We want to make sure we don't live in the truth of what we talked about from Judges chapter 2, that there came a generation who knew not the Lord nor the things that he had done for them. That will not happen here on our watch. We will tell the stories of the goodness of God and pass the baton of faith to those who come after us because it's been entrusted to us. We did not get here on our own. The second lesson that I see from these first 10 years is that every church needs to be a portable church for a season. Not forever, for a season. And some of you who lived in that portable church stage with us, you recognize that there were some things that were forged in our DNA in that season. The very first sermon that Pastor Mark and I ever preached together at Sequoia High School in, one of our, in our first service was we talked about the children of Israel being that for, first portable church, that they were wandering around chasing after the presence of God and all of them had a job that eventually when, when the pillar of fire, the cloud moved and they got to go, somebody's got to grab the tent poles and somebody's got to grab the fabric and somebody's got to grab the holy things and they would go to wherever God said go and when they stopped, they would set it all back up. They were the first portable church. Every church needs to be portable, I think, for a season because what it does is it causes you to recognize that it's not about a building. It is about a gathering of God's people to seek the presence of God for that one purpose. It's not about getting comfortable in a certain place, but listening for the voice of God, discerning that, and chasing after it. And what it helps to do is it helps to divide the line between pioneers and settlers. 
There are so many of us who started out as pioneers. Pioneers are always looking to take new territory. We came to this place to join with so many others as a part of the kingdom of God to help reach those in this community that were lost. But if we're not careful, we eventually come to a place that gets comfortable and we settle there. And that has never been the intent of God. That we would continue to pioneer new ways and new places to reach people and go after the least of these and go as far as we needed to to get the gospel to those who were in need of it And if you aren't portable, sometimes you get comfortable really, really fast. I think every church needs to be portable, at least for a season. The third lesson that I see from these first 10 years is that the only constant is change. The only constant is change. There are some changes we were happy about. There were other changes that broke our heart. And yet throughout this entire journey, we have continued to see God weaving all of these things together for good. They have exceeded our expectations and they have exceeded our dreams and our imagination for what God could do in and through us. And the only constant is change. I ran across this quote from a great theologian that says this. It says, blessed are the flexible for they will never get bent out of shape. (laughs) Not everybody gets that. That hadn't made its way to the back on this side right here. It's in third Leviticus. Look it up. But here's what we know. Here's what we know. In the midst of our pursuit of things and the pursuit of God... Sometimes we fight for things that don't deserve to be fought for. And there are other things that we should fight for and we just let them continue to be compromised and compromised and compromised. What we have tried to do to the best of our ability, and we've missed it on several occasions, we know, is we've tried to decide that there are some things we're going to close our fist around and we will not budge. And we will fight for those things. There are other things that we will open our hands and compromise about. But listen, we're going to fight for the things that are worth fighting for. And the only constant is change. We're trying to be really, really careful to to stop saying we will never. Because there's some things we said we would never and we're doing them right now. And there's other things that we said we will always and we haven't done them in years. So there are things that we, we want to fight for but they're not worth fighting for because the only constant has changed. The fourth lesson from the first 10 years is that generations matter. Amen. Generations absolutely matter. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2, where we draw our name, it says, this is for you, your children, and your children's children. This is for you, your children, and your children's children. I'm so thankful for my children. I'm thankful that they love this church. I'm thankful that they serve in this church. They have given money to this church. I'm thankful that our children are a part of the story that is just woven through the fabric of Generations Church. Our very first service, Corey came to help with setup, strapped with Kinley on her chest because Kinley was three months old. We kind of mark the age of the church by how old Kinley is. But it's not just our family. This is not the story of one family. This is the story of your family. I'm so thankful for the families that have been a part of this church and that are a part of this church. And it's two, three, four generations experiencing the goodness of God as a part of this place. But even if it's not this specific place, we do believe that faith is multi-generational. It's not just for you. And some of you, you're reaping the benefits of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and people that have prayed you into the body of Christ. I mean, they fought tooth and nail to get you to a place like this. Others of you, you don't have that kind of heritage. You don't have that kind of legacy. But you have decided, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You put a stake in the ground, and you said, no more will that be our story. We're writing a new story out of the goodness of God because generations matter. It's why we exist. It's why God has entrusted faith to you so that you could give faith away. And we're not just stopping now. 
The sons and daughters that you're still praying for, we're praying for them too. We're believing that they're going to come back home. Fifth lesson from the first 10 years is you have to laugh. You absolutely have to laugh. There are more stories than we've got time to tell. But there's a few that I'm going to tell real quick, okay? When we were at the high school, we were portable. We had three U-Haul trucks that we put all of our equipment in. We parked them off-site, and every Sunday morning, a group of men would go get those trucks, drive them to the high school. We would unload them, move them in. You saw some of that footage in the video just a few minutes ago, and they would set it all up, and then after it was over, we'd tear it all down, put it back in the trucks, drive them back to the off-site parking that we had, and leave them there all week. Well, we were constantly trying to find, you know, better trucks and things. We didn't invest a lot of money in trucks that were going to sit still for six and a half days a week. And so we were trying to find trucks that would run, but trucks that weren't going to break the bank. And so we had some folks helping us. It's not important their names, but David Heinemann was involved. And so we were always looking for a good deal. And so one day David called me. He's like, hey, I found us a new truck. I was like, awesome. He's like, it's a great deal. Good money. It's got, it's, it doesn't leak. That was a big thing. Does the truck leak? You know, and no, this one doesn't leak. We, we've, we've run it through a car wash. It doesn't leak. We've got it. We know what's going on. So we pay the money. We get the paperwork. He comes. He brings it. We load all the stuff on. It's like, oh, this is an awesome truck. It's one of the best trucks we've ever had. Now, that's a pretty low bar, but that's one of the best trucks we've ever had. So we used it for like six weeks, eight weeks maybe. One day, one afternoon, David calls me. He was like, hey, are you at the church? Well, that is scary. I was like, yeah, is everything okay? I'll be there in a minute. So he comes to the church. He said, hey, where's the, uh, where's the paperwork for that truck we bought a few weeks ago? I was like, well, I'm sure it's, I mean, somewhere here at the church. He's like, can, can we get it? I'm like, well, sure. Well, why? He said, I got good news and bad news. What do you want first? I said, well, let's start with the bad news. He said, bad news is that truck's stolen. <laughs> okay, what's the good news? He said, if we get it back to him by 4 o'clock tomorrow, we are not liable. <laughs> I was like, let me go find some paperwork because I don't want you to go back to jail. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I'm confessing now because I think the statute of limitations is up, but there was a season where we were driving a stolen truck. But if anybody in the community asks you, that was our truck with a paperwork discrepancy. All right. So help us with that. If you would, we would go on Sunday mornings and we would, we would get those trucks and we'd drive them to the school and we had a great group of guys that would do that. One of those guys, his name was Ron Brown. And Ron would come and grab the truck and drive it. And one Sunday morning, Ron got to the church. They would do it in the dark. I mean, we got there so early. So it was, it was dark and Ron gets to, the church, gets to the school there where we're setting up the church and he seemed to be in a hurry. And I was like, Ron, are you okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's, okay, let's, let's move this along. Okay, so we're setting it up and he was like, I just I gotta run back for a minute. I was like, oh, okay, I just thought he left something at the you know, warehouse where we had parked stuff. And he's like, I got to go back. So he leaves. He comes back. Like, everything okay? He was like, yeah, I had to go knock on a lady's door. I knocked her mailbox down on the way to the school today. <laughs> like, awesome. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for not accusing us of doing that. But knocking stuff down. We showed up one Sunday and uh, no water in the school. So we, you know, just went and got trash cans filled with water to use to flush toilets. And you're like, that is sick. I would never come back to that church. Maybe so. Maybe so. But what it proved to us is like, we're going to do whatever it takes, right? We showed up one Sunday. We'd already set it up. The power went out. And so we did what any good God-fearing group of people gathered together in one place would do. We broke into the band room and stole their instruments, moved out in the lobby, moved their piano and upright bass. We just moved out. You saw that footage there. We just led worship. Just like whatever it takes, we're going to do it because we want to make sure that we laugh about what God is doing here. We're not going to be so serious that we can't can't laugh about it. So, so lesson 
learned in this season. Here's the sixth thing. Where God guides, he provides. We've never walked one day outside of the provision of God. Before we ever started, we didn't know how we were going to fund it and what equipment we were going to use. And we were looking and searching and trying to figure it all out. And on the Saturday night before our first Sunday like preview service, just to figure out what it looks like to set it up and tear it down, we found a church on the other side of Atlanta that was selling portable church equipment. But they had listed it on Friday afternoon, and I took Cooper, who was playing the drums a few minutes ago, but he was about that tall then, not a lot of help loading equipment. We took him in a U-Haul truck that was not stolen. We paid for it. We went across town and loaded it up just so the next morning we could have church and practice setting stuff up. God provided right on time, on Saturday before Sunday. When we came into this building, it was because we went to lunch at Sidelines across the way, and instead of turning right to go back to Riverstone, which I guess I'd done every other time, we, turned, we just went straight instead of turning, and we ended up at the red light right out front here, and we saw this building, and I'd lived here for a number of years. I don't know that I'd ever seen this building, but what caught my attention was a big sign that said, For Lease. And God provided. We walked up to that door and we laid our hands on that glass and we said, God, if this is you, let us know it. If it's not, shut this door. God provided every single step of the way. Even before we came to this facility, God laid it on the heart of a businessman to give us 40 acres of property to build a church or to sell as an asset for future ministry opportunities. Because where God guides, he provides. You have never walked one single day outside of the provision of God. Here's the next lesson from these first 10 years. Every time we created empty space, God was gracious to fill it. I told this story four or five weeks ago. I don't want to re-preach it. You can go back and listen to the podcast or YouTube, but one of my favorite stories from the Old Testament is the widow who had a need. She needed some provision. And so the prophet said, what do you have? She says, a small jar of oil. He says, okay, I want you to go and get all the empty jars you can find. And as long as she presented emptiness, the oil continued to flow. Every single time we've added a service, moved locations, changed rooms, added some space, renovated something to create more space, God has been gracious to fill that space. Here's why. Because there are still lost people in this community that need to come into an environment like this to hear the life-changing message of the gospel, to experience worship like we just did. And so we believe our job is just to create empty space. And that's our heart. We're going to continue to create empty space and ask God to fill it every single time. One of my favorite movies is Field of Dreams. One of the most famous lines from that movie is, if you build it, they will come. That is not our mantra. It's not how we're guided. How we are guided is by this simple principle. God, if you send them, we'll be ready. We want to make sure that anybody that walks into these doors for the first time or they're giving God one more chance, we will be ready to serve them well and to point them to you. If you will send them here, we will be ready. The eighth lesson from the first 10 years is that life together really is better. I don't know in every stage of my life that I've actually believed that. But over these last 10 years, it has become so central to who I am that I don't know how you do life alone. We weren't created to live in isolation, and instead of pulling back from people, we need to lean into relationships and people. Life together really is better. So many of the stories that we have from these 10 years are about the other people doing life with us in that season. There's there's three types of people in your life. There are relationships for life. 
They're in your life for life. I'm so thankful for the people I've got for life. I want to be that kind of person to the people that God gives to me for life. There are other people that God brings into your life for a season, just a specific season. It's just like our paths crossed in a season, and I'm thankful for those seasons, that as God brought them in and then eventually moved them out, like that was a season that God used that time period to bless each of us in some form, in some way. And so we dig in to try to determine like, what was it that you were trying to teach us and use us in that season? So God, thank you for the people that were in our life for a season. There is another group of people that are in your life for a reason. There were some people that were in that service at Mount Perrin North on June the 24th, 2011, when we said, hey, we're going to Canton. We're going, we think, to Sequoia High School, and we got to set it up and tear it down. And there was something that leapt in their heart, and they said, hey, I'll come, and I'll be a nursery worker for a few months until you can get enough volunteers. And we were like, bless you and keep you. Make the Lord make his face to shine. Come on, we need nursery workers. People said, hey, I'll come set up sound, and I'll run lights, and I'll do... And they just did that for a specific reason in a specific season, and then the Lord moved them somewhere else. But for that season and for that specific reason that we needed, God brought them into our path. And so let me just say to you, if you are a part of any of those groups in my life and in the life of this church, I'm thankful for you. If you're a lifer, like let's just do life together for the rest of our lives. Let's just dig in deep and let's do it. If you're here today because you've been a part of this journey for a season or for a reason, just know we're thankful for you. We're thankful for how God brought you to this place and used you in that season for that reason. And we pray we were as big a blessing to you as you were to us. And so I just want you to know, like, wherever you're at, dig in. Plant roots here or there, wherever God's taken you. If you're here, this is your church home. Like, dig deep. Lean into relationship. Life together really is better. Don't pull back. In seasons of of need and in seasons of discomfort and in seasons where you're not really sure what it all looks like, like don't run away from people. Run to people. They want to help you. They just don't know how to help. Life together really is better. The ninth lesson from the first 10 years is that it's all about the one. The first video we ever shot to talk about going to Sequoia High School, we walked around that theater And I walked down front, I did one of those like walking videos where I was talking and walking. It looked really, really cool at the time. Now it's very cringeworthy. (laughs) I walked down to the front of that room and I laid my hand on the front seat, corner chair. And I said on that video, I'm praying for this chair to be filled by a guy named Louie. Louie was my next door neighbor at the house we lived at when we first moved to Canton. Louie was a great guy from Africa really interesting character. Our kids loved him and we thought we were okay with that. I think, you know, as long as we were out in the yard too, like Louie was a great guy. We just didn't know Louie really well. And so it was like, God, I'm asking you to capture Louie's heart and I'm asking you to do it here. I want Louie to fill that seat. He's the one right now. We worked through that stage of the story of Mount Perrin North Canton campus. And we eventually moved to this location and we were building out the space upstairs and we needed a, a part So some of our team went down to Home Depot. It was right down the road here. We spent a lot of money at Home Depot. Thank God for Home Depot. We went down there. They were standing on one of the aisles. And the guy walked up and said, what are you guys looking for? Said, well, we're looking for a part here that we need. We're we're actually building a church right up the road. He's like, I don't do church. They're like, oh, that's okay. What's your name? Nate was his name. For a couple years, we referred to him as Nate from Home Depot. I don't know if we ever knew his last name. Nate from Home Depot. We did know his last name. He eventually came to church. Joined the worship team. 
told his story on a team night about what God had done to deliver him out of some things that were going on in his past because it's always all about the one. One of the most famous chapters in all of Scripture talks about a lost coin and a lost sheep and a lost son. And there's a great truth right in the middle of those stories that tells us about the heart of the Father, tells us about the heart of Jesus when it says that he would leave the 99 to go and find the one. But when you've got 99, the one doesn't matter until the one is someone you know. And it may not be Louie, and it may not be Nate from Home Depot, but if there's an empty chair near you or an empty chair behind you or in front of you or we need to open a new service to create an empty chair, whatever one you're burdened for, that's our heart. It's your son and your daughter and your mom and your dad. It's the girl in your classroom and the little kid that's so troublesome on your ball team. It's your next door neighbor that you don't really know that much about, but you see each other when you take the trash down on Monday nights and you're just asking God to give you an opportunity to touch his heart because he's the one. It's always been about the one. Jesus told us that he came to seek and save the lost. And when you got 99, you don't care about the one unless the one is someone you know. A few years ago, we went to Disney as a family. My brother and his wife and their kids and me and Corey and our kids, we went to Disney. We had a great day. We got out of the park. We got on the tram. We went to the car. We got to the car. We're loading all the stuff up. We got kids galore. We might have had extra kids. We don't know. Just kids and strollers and hats and balloons and all kinds of stuff. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. We're loading it all up. And Corey calls from the other side of the car. She says, hey, send Tucker over here. I want to strap him in his seat. I said, okay, Tucker, go to your mom. And we're doing all this stuff. A couple seconds go by. She says, hey, send me Tucker. I said, Tucker, go to your mom. I look around. Tucker's not there. I said, Tucker's not over here. Is he not with you? She said, no, I didn't wait. I took off running like an Olympian. I sprinted all the way back to the gate. I jumped the bushes, jumped the turnstile. My feet hit the ground inside the park and security surrounded me. I said, I've lost my son. They said, we have Tucker in the office. Does he work here now? Like, did I miss? Can I be honest with you? Just for a few minutes, I didn't care who was left at the car. I just knew I'd lost somebody. We're always going to be about the one. That's our heart. That's what it beats for. And here's the last thing. There's still more to be done. At the end of the first 10 years, I'm reminded that there's still more to be done. We know what the last 10 years have looked like. We know the stories. We know what God's done. But Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38 say this. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We know what the first 10 years have looked like. But the question that continues to rattle around in my brain is what kind of church do our communities need over the next 10 years? What kind of church do the people in your life and my life and the people in our schools and the people in our neighborhoods and on our teams and on our jobs, what kind of church do they need to walk into over the next 10 years? 
There's a lot we don't know because remember the only constant is change. There's a lot of things that we can assume and hope for and believe for and dream and strategize about and write down and make plans. There's a lot of things we don't know though. But here are some things we want to fight for about that kind of church. We want to be biblically grounded. Over the next 10 years, I think even more so than we see now, there's just going to be this continual assault on the truth of God's word. And we don't want to be swayed by culture and uh, personalities and the opinions of those inside and outside of this place. So we want to be grounded in the word of God so that we can stand upon an absolute truth that does not change. Over the next 10 years, to be that kind of church, we're going to be biblically grounded. The second thing that we're going to be is spirit-empowered. There's so much that we don't know. We don't know. But if we will lean into the presence of God and be led by His Spirit, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to be anxious about anything because we can know who holds our tomorrow. We can know who is leading us in this journey. It is His church, His story, and we want to be empowered and led by the Spirit of God. The third thing that we're going to fight for is we're going to be family-friendly. We're going to be a place for your family. There's something here for everybody, something here for all ages. We want to have incredible kids ministry and youth ministry. We want to have incredible community opportunities through groups for young marrieds and singles and college students and empty nesters. We want to create something for those who feel like, you know what, maybe my best days are behind me and say, no, they're not. But you have an opportunity to invest in those coming behind you, to entrust to them what God has entrusted into you. There's something for everyone here. We want to be family friendly. And the fourth thing that we want to do is be outwardly focused. We want to turn our eyes outside of this place towards those who are not here yet. And not only are they not here yet, they are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe they're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they have a need and we can meet that need here locally and globally. We want to be outwardly focused. We don't want to turn inwardly and get sour and bitter and just a lot of infighting and and discussion about things that don't matter. We want to constantly keep our eyes turned towards the harvest and ask God to help us to be laborers in his harvest. We want to be a part of that group of people that commits ourselves to the work of God on the earth in the next 10 years. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. We conclude our time. And every time that we gather, we want to give you an opportunity to make a decision to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. We never want you to come and to experience all that we do and not have a chance to make that decision. So today you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I am not in a relationship with Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I want to change that. I want him to forgive my sins and be the Lord of my life. If that's you and you're in the room, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? We want to pray for you. Thank you so much. You can put it right down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you're watching online today, I encourage you to drop that in the chat. Let us know you're making that decision. And now if you would say very generally, but very specifically to all of us in the room, I don't want to get so busy in my pursuit of something that I don't pause and thank God for the journey that I'm on. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Thank you so much. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for all that's been accomplished today to celebrate your faithfulness to us. And God, I thank you for the songs and the prayers and your word. But God, I thank you for those right now who have just made a decision to accept you as the Lord and Savior of their life. 
They don't want another moment to pass by before they jump into relationship with you. So God, I pray right now that you would help them to trust you, that you would help them to have a great and growing faith in who you are, to be led by you every step of their journey. And God, we thank you for the decisions that have been made right now. And God, I pray for the rest of us, whether this is our church home or we're planted somewhere else, that God, you would help us just to pause ever so often and look back and thank you for your goodness to us, for your graciousness to us, for your mercy to us, for the love that you extend to us that we do not deserve. God, we thank you for the blessings of our lives. Help us to be reminded over and over again that we did not get here on our own and that, God, every single step of the way, you go before us. Let us acknowledge that with every breath that we have, every day that we have left on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.